Yeah, that's a good one right there, man. It's awesome to think about that cool shape that's coming out of that furnace and all the stuff that happens with that. And you're like, man, that's pretty impressive. It's crazy thing that God looks at you and says, yeah, but I think you're pretty darn impressive. And to think about the maker had a hand in making all of us, and that's what we get to talk about tonight. There's a line in there. You, you got to go back and watch them. It says this, that which is considered lost, abandoned, or broken in my hands, it can have an unrecognizable and astounding new life. Things maybe the world would just sweep away and say, this life doesn't matter. You're broken. You're abandoned. God says, no, not in my hands. I'm the one that could give new life. Would you pray with me as you begin? Lord, thank you for worship, which is amazing in itself that you allow us to come before you and and, and God, we don't give you more glory. We just acknowledge the fact that you are the one that should receive the glory. As we worship you, we take our eyes off of ourself and put it on something bigger, the biggest thing, the weightiest thing, the most impressive thing, not just in the room, but in the universe. And we just thank you for allowing us to sing worship to you. And this evening as we our heads even now to get to talk to you the creator of the world we just thank you for moving in our lives and we pray that you move in our hearts tonight amen amen i know uh maddie and luke were asking but i'd like to hear just some some fun things that happened today some good good like good things that happened and whether it's today or yesterday just uh one or two sentences just something fun something amazing real quick go go you play pool with your friends, man. That's cool. That's cool to talk about. Yeah, go. Uh, I was in that giant you sure did. Hey, you, you were. That was awesome, right? You want to go talk about it? Uh, At home, you're going to talk about it, right? It's fun. Yeah. What else? Go. I played ice hockey. Ice hockey was awesome. What'd you do? I finished an escape room. You finished the escape room. Tell me a little bit about it. Go. Was it fun? Yes. Good time? So you want to talk about it, right? Yeah. Yes. What? What's that? Made you made a broom, broom hockey tournament. Dude, that's something you're going to be talking about. Why are you going to talk about it, though? Because it's fun, man. It's good stuff. You got something in the back? Go. You all, are you on the same team? Yeah. yeah. Who are you playing? Hey. So you guys made it. You guys didn't. Talk about it, though. It doesn't all that cool to you guys. I'm just kidding. You're excited. Right? We were going to get to it. Listen, here's the thing. Hey, tell me real quick, something cool, something good in your life today. Boom, hands shoot up. No problem. Why? Because we went and played pool. We made a box sled. We went down a sweet little jump with my friends. We made it to the broom hockey tournament. We ate a milkshake. I, here's the thing. It's very easy to talk about things in our life that are exciting because we love doing it. It's easy when there's certain things and you know those certain things in your life, it's very easy to talk about. It's good and you just can't wait to share it. For me tonight, this is one of those messages. 
We're talking about good news. It's, it's, the gospel is called good news. It's just the, the, the good news is what Jesus did for us. That's the good news. And, and I recognize in this room, it's pr- probably de- filled up with mostly Christ followers in the room. So you've heard this message. And I wonder if some of you were like, finally, I'm so tired. I get to go ahead and take a nap because I've heard this. Oh, can I shake your shoulders a little to say no? This message isn't a message that we hear one time and we're good with. Friends, this is the good news. This is a message that you should want to hear every day. The good news literally brings us from death to life. It's not just okay news. It's not news that we can compare with anything else. This is the best news you could ever hear. And can I encourage you, if you find yourself kind of getting bored with hearing the gospel so often, can I ask you to maybe ask yourself to check your heart? Do you actually believe the things of the gospel to be true? And if so, man, it should make your heart leap. As well as Christ followers, you're called to share the good news. You don't have to answer, but I would ask you, do you know how? If your friends ask you to share your faith, do you know where to take them in the Bible? Well, tonight we're going to walk through. Maybe you sit up in your chair a little bit more because this is good news, not just for people in the room that maybe haven't heard it. It's good news for all of us in the room because we get to hear it. And we're called to share it. So I got a microphone on, and so I get to share the best news. And it starts in Genesis 1. First few words of the Bible. Where's my guy who's sitting right here? Where you at? Where you at? Oh, you're still, you're still sitting right there, my man. First few words. In the beginning, God. And it starts with him because life is all about him. We have to remember that. That's the point of the gospel. The gospel is this life is all about him. And we talked about it. In, 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 I was going to say a couple days ago, just last night of who God is. And it's not who you think God is because the reality, as hard as this sounds to hear, I don't care who you think God is. I care about who God is and who God says that he is. And we find out who God says that he is through his word that he gives us. And in God's word, it describes who he is. One who's slow to anger, rich in love and rich in mercy. John, we talked about it. John, uh, verse John says that God is love and from him love comes. It says, I am the God of peace and I give you peace unlike anything else can give you peace. I bring you hope. I am, I am just. I am merciful. And these are things about who God is that makes up who God is and we're overwhelmed with who God is when we have a right view of him. But if you think God is just a genie in a bottle to to be there at your beck and call, you've got a wrong view of who God is. It's your view of God and it's just not right. We go to who God says that he is. And he says in Genesis 1, in the beginning, I. In the beginning, me. And life is all about me. And it's not him being uh, overconfident. He's just stating the facts. 
He's the highest power, highest authority. And we should be looking and saying, whoa. We should be in awe of him. This is cheesy, I know. Just relax. I just don't know how to do without it because you need to see a visual about this. In the beginning, God, yes, it's, it's the big G. It's orange so you could see it. Just relax. In the beginning, God, it was all about him. And everything that we want and desire is in him. Love, hope, peace, but just life. And in the beginning, he did what? He created everything that you see all around us. But he also creates us. <laughs> us, right? He creates us. You and me together and living in harmony, man, woman together. And he says, it is very good. And here's the thing, right? He doesn't just create us and say, you're, off your, you're, you're on your own. No, no, no. He creates us and gives a, us a lifeline to him. This is what's beautiful about how cheesy this is. We are connected to our life source, him. He is everything that we could possibly want. Your purpose. What we're created to do, enjoy him and show him off. We want to be filled with love. We're all looking and longing to be loved and have purpose and have hope and peace. But it only comes from him and apart from him that you cannot have it. But it's beautiful because in the garden in Genesis chapter 3, God created us to enjoy him. And it says in Genesis 3 that he walked with his creation in the garden in the cool of the day. Which means it was created, we are created to enjoy him, to walk with him, to, to live life with him, because it was very, very good, and all was well. Until page three of the Bible. Humanity is able to enjoy his creator, and everything was exactly how it was supposed to be. Until God says, I don't do this, and, and humanity has an option right here to say, I'm either going to believe you are in control and you're everything that I need, or I'm going to believe that I'm in control and I know what's best. And humanity says, I, I, I want you, but I want this other thing more. And they, they go against God. They, 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 they sin. And they choose something other than God. And sin comes into humanity on page three of our Bible, basically. Chapter three. Now, what, what, is, what is sin? If you have your Bibles, you can write these down or you can use my Bible. It's right up here. Romans chapter three, 23 says this. We've all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. What, what is sin? Very simple. Sin is going against God, going against God in our words, our thoughts, our deeds, our attitudes. If he says something and we don't do it, that's sin. We go against him. Now again, you gotta understand a right view of who he is. If he's all-knowing, all-powerful, he's created it all, we're his clay, he is the potter, he knows what's best. For me to go against that is crazy, yet we still choose to think we know best, that's sin. And, and here's the thing, this is saying we've all sinned. That's not a shock to anyone in the room. 
To ever think that I'm going to be perfect in front of this holy God who's perfect, I'm just not perfect and neither are you. This makes sense to us. I don't think about God all the time and even just one of his laws says, look, think about me always, right? I want you to love me with everything, with your heart, with your mind, with your soul. Love your neighbor as yourself when we don't. Okay, just admit that we are all sinners. This is a true statement. We've all sinned. Human nature has sinned against God. Okay, so we're all on the same page. What's the consequences of that? Well, Romans chapter 6, 23 says this. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's talk about wages for a second. Wages is your earnings. Anybody have a job out there besides counselors? Any students yet have a job? Can you have jobs at this time? So you, you get a job. Two weeks later, you go to get your paycheck. They give you a paycheck, and you're like, whoa, I can't believe I get paid. This is the best. Thank you so much. You sure I get this paycheck? You wouldn't do that. Why? Because it's your wage. It's your earnings. You go to work. You get earnings. You get a wage. This is what you deserve. What this is saying is the consequences of our sin going against God in our words, thoughts, deeds, or attitudes, any of those things, even just thinking it, it's, it's a sin. It goes against God, and he's like, that's a sin, and the wages of that sin is death. One time. And Adam and Eve did it, and unfortunately, we are just born into that sin nature. But let's not blame them. Let's just take us. We're guilty of it as well. And the wages of that sin is death. And you're like, whoa, that's pretty severe. I have to die? Yeah, but that's still not even that big of a deal because we're humans. We're going to die. So you're like, all right, I'll die. It's, it's more serious than that, though. You see, it's not just talking about a physical cutoff death from life. It's talking about a spiritual separation from him who is holy and perfect. And he says, one sin separates you from me because I am holy and I am perfect and I am merciful, but I am just. And one sin has to be paid for. And you want him to judge sin. You do. You just don't want him to judge your sin. The wages of sin is death. We're made to enjoy him and we're created to enjoy him and you're longing for everything that he is. But our consequences of our sin is a separation from our life source. And this is a really big deal. And we could say, well, why is it such a big deal? It's one sin. Because rebellion against a holy God is a very big deal. God, I don't want you, I want something else. And he says, okay, enjoy it. So we're cut off from God, no problem. All we have to do is just read our Bibles because that will fix it, right? Nope. But if we come to a camp, we come to a Christian camp, that'll, that'll happen, that'll, that'll fix things. We just have to be there for a couple of days, that should fix it and it doesn't. But if I go to church, 
that will fix it. No, if I, if I do enough good deeds that outweigh the bad deeds, right? Then, then God will allow that because I'm bad, but then I won't be as bad. I'll be not as bad as my neighbor. Then if I just do enough good things, that still doesn't fix it. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. That's the answer. And I don't know if we think about our sin the way that God views it. He hates it. Because it separates us from him. Now here's the problem. We are sitting here. Not only are we separated from him, but look at us. (laughs) Once it was so awesome, even us, we're broken. And I wonder if some of you in this room are feeling broken between relationships that you're in. And you just wonder, well, God, why? And he's like, because of sin. Sin, something that was meant for me to just you to enjoy me and me to enjoy you. And it's love and everything is perfect. Sin breaks this and it breaks this. And nothing you can do can fix it. Because I'm the only one that gives the true life. The wages of sin is death, physical and spiritual. And the problem is, is if we die physically, apart from God, spiritually, we will stay that way for eternity. We talk about a place called hell. This is a separation from him. Everything that is good and perfect in our our, our life, what we really want and desire, the things that we're 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 finding a, a cheap substitution because we're longing to be with him. And there's nothing we could do to earn that back. You can't. And I cannot stress that enough because we all try. If I just read my Bible more, if I just don't cuss, and if I go to church, then if I'm obedient, if I do all of these things, then it will fix it. But the wages of sin is death, a broken relationship. So this is awesome. Where's the good news? The good news comes. See, Jesus, the Father, Son, Spirit, God, is so committed to themselves and understanding that that they want us to enjoy uh, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, that from the beginning, the plan was always knowing that this was going to happen. And at the very beginning, it was put into place that Jesus, the Son, would come down. He would leave heaven. He would come down and live a perfect life. He'd be born fully man, but fully God. And that's super important. And he, he walks, and he, and, he, and, he, and he laughs, and he eats, showing that he is human. He's hungry. He cries. He shows human emotion. He knows things that are coming, showing his deity. He heals, showing his deity. That he's both God and man. And he shows us what, what submission and, and, and obedience to the Father really looks like. And he goes to the cross. Maybe you've heard about that, that Jesus dies on the cross for your sins. But maybe now you kind of understand why. 
because the wages of sin is death and someone had to pay it, but I can't pay it because if I'm spiritually separated from him and I die, I'm going to be that way. I need help. I need someone to help me restore this relationship, but I can't do it and he can. You want to know one of the big difference between, if not the most amazing difference between Christianity and other world religion? Every other world religion earns their salvation, tries to earn their way back. Christianity is the only one where God says, you can't earn it. I'm coming down to you because I'm going to restore it. And that's mind-blowing. Romans chapter 5 says this. It says this. God showed his love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. That he knows we can't pay the price, only he can. So he comes down, he shows us how to actually live in obedience to the Father and shows us how to love people and see people and have community of people. And he goes to the cross, never sinning. He goes to the cross, the perfect sacrifice, fully human. In fact, the most perfect, the perfect human but fully God. And as he goes to the cross, he goes and he dies in our place. And he says, as he dies, it is finished. Price paid in full. What price? Sin. The penalty of sin is paid in full because of him. And he's one person, yes, but he is God. So he's eternal, which means he can pay eternally for all of our sin, not just ours today, past, present, things that you've done. He took them on. Why? Because he's God and he can. The penalty of sin is death. He can't just forgive. The penalty has to be paid. Why? Because he's merciful, but he's also just. And the penalty has to be paid. So he takes that price on himself. Ephesians chapter 2 is where we've been in the book of Ephesians. It says this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And it says this. Uh, We were dead in our trespasses in sin. We were dead in it. We were broken. And then it says this, and I want you guys to read this one with me. It says this, but God, read it with me, being rich in mercy. Read it out loud. We were dead in our trespasses and sin, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, he loved us. When we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Not by your works, by grace. By his unbelievable grace. That we were broken here and unseparated from our life source. And there's nothing we can do to get connected with him because the wages of sin is death. Yet the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. The wage is something I earn. A gift is something I don't deserve. And the only way back to our Father is through Jesus. And he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now it might start to make some sense. Your sins are forgiven. The penalty of sin has been paid for. He did it on the cross. 
Well, Rich, you don't know my sin. I don't care. If you, if you think the power of your sin is more powerful than the cross, you're out of your mind. It's not just about you. It's about all of humanity that he, saved, that he saves. He has that power. Is your sin more powerful than him? Well, how can he forgive me? He forgave us all. Past, present, future sin, dealt with, paid in full on the cross. He didn't look at it and say, everybody sinned, but that one that Rich is about to do, no, nope, I won't pay for that one. No. We were dead in our trespasses and sin, but God, rich in mercy, made us alive through Jesus Christ our Lord. He goes to the cross. He dies in our place. The consequence of sin is death. Someone had to pay it. He pays it. And he doesn't stay dead. On the third day, he rises again. And that's unbelievable for a lot of reasons. One, it means we don't worship a dead God. Number two, it shows that he has the power to make dead things live. That's an important thing. And number three, it's, it proves that he is who he says he is, and he can do what he said he can do. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life. I go to prepare a place for you. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Life is now restored Price, the penalty of, of sin, paid in full. And as he rises from the dead, he shows everyone to say, I told you. And he goes around and he shows people, look, this is who I am. Touch my hands. Feel the, the, where the nails were at. Shows himself to 500 people. He doesn't stay here, he ascends and he sits down and, he, and it says he intercedes for us, which is phenomenal. And it's so interesting because Jesus on the cross does something unbelievable. He takes what he doesn't have, which is sin. He takes this sin and he gives us what we don't deserve, his righteousness. So as God the Father looks down and he says, okay, Rich, you stand condemned of sinning against me. And all he sees is the cross, the righteousness. He's like, never mind. Paid in full. He goes to the next person. All right, here we go. Never mind. Paid in full. But God, I have all these sins. I don't see any of them. I've forgotten them all. Paid in full. I see a righteous life. Well, it's not mine. You're right. It's Jesus. That's why I desperately need him. So how do we get it? How, how, how do I have him pay for my sin? Well, I'm glad you asked. Romans says this, Romans 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified and with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. And we can say, oh, that's easy. Is it? To confess to Jesus is who he says he is. Understanding God is who he says he is. He is life. He is everything you truly want. God says, Jesus says, oh, I in me is life. I want you to have life, an abundant life, and it's only through him. 
It's a confessing that Jesus is Lord, that he is who he says he is, and he did what he did, that he was raised from the dead, that you believe that to be true. Here's what it doesn't say. It doesn't say no. It says believe. I think there's maybe Christians or people in the room, you, are, you say you're a Christ follower because you, you maybe know things about it, but do you believe this to be true? Are you trusting him for this salvation of your life? And that's the good news, my friends. That's it. We cannot complicate it. There's nothing you have to do. It's already been done. We come to him and say, I don't get it. I don't know if this is fair. And he's like, it's not. Is this cheap grace? Cheap? It costs him his life. It wasn't cheap. It's free for us, though, to believe on him for salvation, understanding that it only comes through him. 2 Corinthians says this, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all have died. He died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him, for their sake, died and was raised. Our lives are no longer ours. But do you really want it to be yours? Because we saw the consequence of what that looks like. We are broken, cut off from our life source. We don't want our life to be ours anymore. We want our life to be his. And now think about that. Your life has been restored. And we get to enjoy him, not just in heaven. We get to enjoy him today, now. We look at this idea that we're going to ask Jesus to come into our life. I think that's it's wrong. We don't just ask Jesus to come into our life. We ask him, God, allow me to be a part of your life. Right? God, allow me to just be restored because of you. I need you. And you, you made the way. And that's the good news. The video said, let him take the broken parts and make it into something unrecognizable and an astounding life. Only he can do that. Take the broken pieces and turn it into something new. So, what's stopping you? What's stopping you from giving your life over to him? You know who you are. You know who he is. We had a relationship with him at the beginning. We, humanity, broke that relationship, and he's the one who fixed it. One day we'll all stand in front of him in judgment. It's just the reality. And you stand there, he's going to say, what would you do with Jesus? What would you do with my son? And we say, actually, I wanted nothing to do with your son or you. And he says, okay, I'll grant that, not just in life, but I will grant that for all eternity. You will have none of me or my son, and you will spend that time, eternity, away from me. I will grant you that. And that's what we talk about hell. 
away from everything that is good and, 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 and the things that we truly just desire, which is him. Or you stand before him and says, what did you do with my son? He said, I wanted your son, not just for eternity. I wanted to enjoy him today. And he says, then not only do I grant you that while you live, I grant you that for eternity. Enjoy me and my son. Because I made the way for it. So I ask again, those that have never put your hope and faith in Jesus for salvation, to restore this relationship that was broken because of sin, the only way back is through the cross, confessing Jesus is Lord and believing that he was raised on the third day. Your sins are paid for. What's stopping you? Let's do this. Why don't we bow our heads? All right. I do that not to pray. I'm not going to pray right now. I do it so that you can get a, 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 alone with your own thoughts. That way you're not looking around. Because the reality is this, you don't go to heaven with a group of people. You go by yourself. It's you and the Lord in that moment. And I want you to take this thing seriously to understand, all right, time to, time to do some real soul searching. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. If you've never put your hope and faith in Jesus, but tonight you say, I, I need Jesus for the first time. You might still have questions, that's okay. I'm gonna ask you to maybe put up your hand or just look at me, if that's you. If you've never put your hope and faith in Jesus, but tonight you say, I, I need Jesus. Maybe just put up your hand and look at me in the eye. Maybe put your, give me a little wave so I could see that you're out there. Anybody? Right on. Okay. Okay. Right on. Anybody else? You need Jesus for the first time. You've never done that. I'm going to ask you to do another hard thing. Those that say, me, I need Jesus, I'm going to encourage you. Can you just, this is scary, I know. Can you just make eye contact with your counselor? Your counselor, just the people that are just saying, I need Jesus for the first time. I just want you to make eye contact with your counselor real quick. Your counselor is going to be able to talk through these things with you because the Christian life isn't a one alone thing. The Bible's clear about one another. We do this together. So I'm just going to invite you, and maybe you don't know your counselor. You'll get to know them, but they want to come alongside you. Could you just make eye contact real quick and just maybe turn your head? Just make eye contact, contact just a little bit. Say, I see you, because they want to talk to you right after here, and they just want to pray with you. Do me a favor, go ahead and everybody just kind of look up here. May I ask for one last bold thing? If that was you, and you say, I need Jesus, you don't have to, but you get, we're going down the hill tomorrow. And uh, 
We're going to have to stand boldly for him because we have new lives, those that just made some decisions. And I'm going to ask you maybe for some courage in this room that is filled with pretty much mostly Christians. Just want to come alongside you and cheer you on. Because we know the, the life that is you're walking down to isn't going to be easy. And I just want you to feel the support and love that a church body has for you. And so I'm going to ask you to do one last thing. Those that put their faith in Jesus, that you want to put your faith in Jesus for the first time tonight. And, and maybe you already did as you looked up. But this is more of just saying, I want my church body to know. I want my friends to know. And it's scary because especially if you're introverted out there, I get it. To ask you to do this is hard. This doesn't save you by standing. But I'm telling you, as you stand boldly here, it gives you that courage as you go down the hill. So on the count of three, I'm going to ask if you did make a decision tonight for the first time, you gave your life to the Lord for the first time, I'm going to have you stand up on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. If you made that decision, stand on up. Right on. Right on. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Those that are standing, stay there. And there might be a few more that pop their heads up. You don't want to stand, that's okay. Uh, stay standing real quick. Uh, we, we've cheered for lots of things, right? Broom hockey, all sorts of good stuff. As these people stood up, they're saying, I, I recognize my life was broken and I need Jesus. And they say, I, I want you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. And we know that the enemy is going to attack them. So I want us to make noise in a second just to really blow the roof off of this place. And in hopes that those that are standing as you give your life to the Lord, you understand life isn't easy. The Bible doesn't say life is now easy. But the great thing is, is you get him. That's awesome. And you've got a church body come alongside you. And I want you to take this roar you're about to hear. And as the enemy might come your way, trying to remind you of your old life, you remember the roar of this crowd saying, now nah, we're walking this thing together. On the count of three, let's make some noise. One, two, three. Excellent. Have a seat, have a seat. If you made a decision, whether you looked at your counselor or whether you stood up, can I encourage you in a moment? We're going to do some worship. But don't leave. Stay back. Maddie's going to come up here and talk about it, but stay. Before I leave, let me talk to the Christians, and may I poke a little bit. Christ followers in the room, we just heard the gospel, the good news, a decision maybe you made a long time ago. Here's the question. Are you living a life worthy of the calling you've received? Is there things in your life that shouldn't be in your life? Because here's the reality as we have this. Your sin no longer can break this. Understand that. You don't get cut off and then restored. Cut off and restored. Nothing can snatch you out of his hand. But what we do with our sins sometimes is we try to strain this relationship so much. We live as if this is still broken when it's not. And we try to go back to this broken pieces because sometimes that brokenness is enticing to us. And I don't know why it is, it just is. The penalty of sin is paid for. You don't want that, so leave it. First John says if we confess, he is faithful to forgive. Not just the one-time confession for salvation, 
that confession that sanctifies us, that makes us more like Jesus. And friends, if that's you out there, if you've got some stuff in your life that you need to get off of your chest, well, it's too much. I don't know if he can forgive you. He already did. The only thing that you're holding on to is making you cloud up your relationship with him and it's not cloudy. He's saying, I'm right here. I already know. Let that go. Get it off your chest so that we can get back to enjoying me. Life, full life, perfection, eternal creator, all powerful. I wanna walk this thing through, but you need to get it off your chest. So we're gonna sing a song band's going to come out. And in this time, maybe you need to, as a Christ follower, need to just sit. Maybe you don't need to sing. And you need to process the power of the cross and say, Lord, I confess. A lot of times we come to camp and we think, oh, this is my time to rededicate my life. What is rededicate? I don't see it in the Bible. You know what I see? Repentance. We need to repent, go the other way. Repent is, uh, I'm choosing this no longer. I'm literally turning the opposite and I'm going back home. And maybe that's what you need to think about here tonight as we sing these worship songs to our creator. Our life has been restored. So let's live as if it is. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for this time. And as we continue to worship you, Lord, may we recognize We are saved by faith because of your grace. And that is it, Lord. It's not by works so that any of us can boast. You're the way, the truth, and the life. The only way back to the Father is through you. And we are thankful that you've made a way back to you. And may we live in that truth, not just in heaven. We get to enjoy you today. May we do that tonight.